I was watching a, um, an interview not so long ago, and there were a group of religious leaders, different religions, not just Christian, one was Christian, about seven or eight religious leaders having a debate around whose God was the greatest. I don't know how I landed on this debate, it's just out there. You probably find it if you Google it. But I watched this debate, and they went on, and each person had a case to present what their people are like, what their God is like, what their story's about, why it's so important. And they left this Christian guy for lost. I think partly because he was looking so calm in the room, they didn't feel the need to engage him. And they, and they asked this whole room the questions, and eventually the presenter or the guy hosting the interview turned to this believer who believes in Jesus, and he turned to him and he said, and what makes your God so special? And this guy calmly looks back at the presenter and says, my God talks back to me. And therein ended the conversation. Because the difference between the God we serve, Link Church, can I just get you excited about the word I'm about to preach? The difference between the God we serve and every other God, idol, or man-made attempt to satisfy themselves out there, and I'll preach to whoever is willing to hear it online today. The difference between our God and others is He talks back to me. He's a living God. He's breathing. He's living inside me. He's talking with me by His Spirit. It's not because we do better things than other religions. I beg to differ. Some do better things than us. It's because our God talks back to us. We have a heavenly Father by the presence of His Holy Spirit through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross that is able to have an ongoing conversation with His church. I used to to preach these words. I used to say these words. God is always speaking. We're just not always listening. Have you ever heard that? Ever felt that? I don't think it's true. This is a little honest moment from myself this morning. If God is conversational, that means He's not always speaking. That means God gives us time to speak to him. That means that coming into church today, you may have had conversations with God that when you arrived, don't think we're important, but God hears them. And God's gonna answer you through his word to what you've been speaking to him about. It's a conversation. Tap your neighbor and say, it's a conversation. It's a conversation. It's not just a conviction that my life is set apart to serve this amazing God. It's a conversation in that as I'm serving him, he's helping me understand more of myself in all of who he is. And so as I'm conversing with them, there are times where God goes silent. That's permission to speak. That's permission to ask God, what's he saying? What's he doing? What's he teaching you? And perhaps you've sat in the room and perhaps you've been through things in life and you feel like, man, I've had that thing. God is always speaking. I'm not always listening. And you've put all the emphasis on yourself to hear rather than understanding that at times it's your opportunity to speak. It's your moment to have a conversation with your heavenly father. And I I want to encourage you, Link Church, we are not just doing church. We are living, breathing the church. We are walking with our heavenly father in step with the spirit into a glorious future. And sometimes it's me asking him and speaking to him. And other times it's him speaking to me. But it's a conversation. My God speaks back to me. I wish we could all have the confidence to say to friendships out there, asking big questions around what we believe and why we believe it. My God speaks back to me. Amen. I'm not sure if you've ever found yourself asking big theological questions, um, like why does, why does this happen? Or does God actually exist? Like where does he fit in this whole explanation of things? Or questions around healing or questions around the future or questions around eternity. Big theological questions. Perhaps you find yourself asking those. Perhaps you find yourself caught up in theological debates or discussions with friends. Now, perhaps as I say this, you're like, nah, not my game. But I cannot tell you how many times I will stand innocently at a distance listening to Christian friends debate a doctrine. 
Like it's just, it's just part of who we are. We just, we want to get through it. We want to debate what is God, who is God, why is this like it is? And there's this debate. So I'm not sure if that's you, if you resonate, perhaps you've ever been in those discussions before. Perhaps you've believed something about God only to question it again by life circumstance. Perhaps you're sitting in the room and you've believed things of God. You've had an understanding of who he is. You've, you've, you've nailed it down. You've said, that's gonna be my, my theology. That's gonna be my belief. And then life has thrown a curveball, and now you've left wondering, like, I'm not sure I actually believe that. Maybe that's you in the room today. Uh, maybe in the room you've even felt small or even ashamed, can I say, of your lack of Bible knowledge in the presence of others who seem to have a lot. Perhaps you're sitting in the room, and I give these examples, and I say, Maybe you've been in conversations where somebody perceived to have a broad biblical knowledge has left you feeling small in what you perceive to be a lack thereof. I'm not sure who I'm talking to today, but this is going to speak to you today's message. Because this word comes to a group of people in the middle of a conversation of deep doctrine. The message of Paul. Turn with me so long. Romans chapter 11. Paul is speaking to a very religious group of people. He's written a letter and unpacking the doctrine of grace. It is a deep theological letter. I wish I understood all of Romans. I'm only understanding little bits. If you believe you understand it all, me and you should get to become friends because I think you may be missing a whole lot of depth that you haven't yet seen. But there's something about this book as Paul speaks to the, the people of that day that leads us to this moment in Romans 11 that I believe starts to speak to something far greater than the discussion you had with your friends, the debate you're having with heaven, and perhaps even the shame you're feeling in your lack. Paul says something that gets to the middle of it all. I was at uh, Stellenbosch last weekend celebrating five years with our friends at Cedars Church in Stellenbosch. They were a plant out of 3CR Church in Pretoria. They've been there for five years. Um, they have grown immensely. They are about to start a building project. And in just five years, through COVID and all, and God has built such an amazing story there. And we went to celebrate five years with them. And my friend Rory Dyer was preaching and he opened the scripture and he said the first word and I begin to pulse in my heart. I knew God was speaking. I don't know if you know when God starts to speak, but he said the first word. So let's, let's read Romans 11 together, starting at chapter or verse 33. I hope you're ready, Link Church. Cancel your lunch plans. I'm gonna go for about four hours today. It's gonna get so exciting. Oh, everybody say, oh. oh. Say it again, oh. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments, his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God or that God should repay him? For from him and through him and to him are all things, all things, all things, all things. Sometimes you just got to pause and let something settle in. For from him and through him and to him are all things. The family that you live with, the decisions that you're making, the money that you think you made, the friendships that you're navigating, the church that you're sitting in, me as your pastor and friend, our country and other countries, all things are from him and through him and to him. And you're gonna see why this is so powerful in just a moment. It says, for from him and through him and to him are all things, to him be the glory forever. Amen. As I mentioned, the title of our message is simply this, Distracted by Glory. And I say this because it's almost like Paul, in the middle of writing his letter, gets distracted again by the bigness and the weight of God. And it's almost like as we go into this year called Hear Him, 
we need to give God permission to distract us again in the midst of our discussions, our debates, our theologies, our frustrations, our understandings, our shames, our fill in the blank, our making sense of the life through our lens. We need to, I just believe it, be distracted again by, oh, the depths. It's like Paul's writing the letter, thinking about the type of people in the room. They're gonna be some really clever Belito folk in the room. And I wanna make sure they understand what grace is about. So I'm gonna speak to them. And then there are gonna be some others who are actually really clever, but don't feel that clever because of the way they've been shamed by that whole thing. And so I'm gonna write to them too. And, he's, he's, and, and it's like this buildup of people. He just starts listing people, Romans 1 through Romans 10, just people groups and helping them all understand grace. And then in Romans 11, before he can continue on to kind of sub, uh, summarize and conclude his letter, he goes, oh, the depths, as in everything I'm writing, pales into insignificance compares to what I'm still beginning to understand about him. In other words, I'm gonna speak to some people that wanna make sense of something, but while I'm doing that, I get distracted by the weight of glory that flows and, and almost fills me as I attempt to fill in the blanks of my story. As I, Paul, the great theologian, as I begin to Write the pages of scripture that will become the most New Testament books that the church of today will ever read. As I'm doing it with this unpacking of grace and this kindness of God, as I'm giving it my best attempt to help the churches of tomorrow, that's you and I, I get almost distracted again by glory. It's almost like Paul, in the midst of trying to serve the church and finish a discussion, gets distracted in the depths of heaven that he's yet to tap into. I'm not sure where you're at. I'm not sure how far you are in understanding this world or unpacking what it means to build business, raise children, navigate political circumstances, uh, fill in the blank, you know, understand what happened in your past, understanding what's happening in your present, making sense of it all, and you're writing a story in the middle of it. I just pray that today, God in his kindness, would you just be distracted again by his glory and would the God that allows you to speak to him just speak back to you about his depths. I asked Tess if I had to say anything about this message today, what would it be? She would say, do you realize the depths we have permission to work with? Do you realize, she would ask the church, do you realize the depths of this God we serve? Do, do you perceive the depths? Do you, do you realize how, how far and wide and how deep and how long and how wide this love of God is? Do you, do you realize, church, that while you're figuring life out, there's a deep well ready to give you more? Do you realize that? Do you know that I've been a pastor now for 15, 16 years? True story. I, I studied accounting. You know the story. I was going to go into business and accounting. Love numbers. Forgive me. Love it. It's a passion. Pray for me afterwards. Love to do a spreadsheet. Said it before. Say it again. But God called me to be a pastor. I've been pastoring for 15 years. I've probably preached more than 30 Sundays most of those 15 years. Add those up, there's been a bunch of messages that have come out of my mouth. Oh, the depths is just starting to make sense to me. Oh, the depths. Some people get this excitement for God. I'm called, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go into this thing. I'll start preaching tomorrow. Before you start preaching, get distracted by His glory. Be, before you wrap up your letter to the world, get distracted by the heaven that is still trying to get your attention. Before you make sense of it all, surrender to him again. It's like Paul, write this down, shifts his focus from the crowd 
to the king. The crowd that he's serving, that he's leading, that he's helping to the king. It's like in the middle of it all, he gets distracted by the glory of the king. It's kind of why I like coming to church on Sundays because, and again, we're breaking walls for this exact same reason. We're changing the way you encounter the sanctuary so that you'd be distracted by the king, the king of glory, the king of weight, the king that has more depth in his love than you will ever need in this world, the king that has more wisdom for you than you will ever need to make another decision in this world. But the thing for us is we're so obsessed with the crowd we're so obsessed with the crowd. We don't like it when people cha- um, challenge us. We don't like it if someone puts their rhythm in front of ours. I mean, I'm just like you. Don't worry. I'm just going to put you in the picture over here. We're all the same. We don't like anything getting in the way of our story and that there's something about the distraction into his again. This year, hear him. If I do nothing else, is to remind you. We're almost at the end of Feb. We're going into March. Now's not the time to forget the vision. It's to hear him. It's to know that going into March, he's still calling us up mountains. He's still calling us away from the crowd. He's still calling us up to higher ground. And so there are three things that happen in this moment in Scripture that I believe remind us of what is waiting for us in our almost withdrawal from the crowd and fixation on the king. Three things that we see in the Scripture that will bless you today as you draw from God's deep well. The first is this. God is incomprehensible. His knowledge is deep. He is incomprehensible. His knowledge is deep. Knowledge is simply this, understanding. Understanding, making sense of, understanding. God is incomprehensible. It says earlier on, his paths are untraceable. And that's because he is incomprehensible. I couldn't have, I couldn't have written you into the seat that you're sitting in today if I tried 15 years ago. Can I make this practical? I could not have scripted the story of Curtis sitting just behind me every single weekend, getting enamored by what God is doing in his and his family's life every single weekend. I could have not scripted that if I had tried. It was a phone call from a friend over Christmas time one year saying, please pray for my family. We started praying. He didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know him. He didn't know me. We didn't know each other. We just started praying. His paths are untraceable. His knowledge is so deep. We started praying. Did a Christmas service, preached a message, forget what it was titled, always do, no one really remembers what I have to say anyway, but preached a Christmas message, and at the end gave an altar call, who wants to give their lives to Jesus, and a few people in the room gave their lives to Jesus. At the end of the service, everyone was leaving, it was Christmas Day, people were rushing off to their lunches, and one family wasn't rushing anywhere because God was on them. And the man that had phoned me to pray for his family walked up to me, and he hugged me, and he started crying, he said, Dill. That man that you've been praying for gave his life to Jesus today. And I remembered his face because they'd been standing together. And for the last, I don't know how long, he's been sitting close to us in church, leaning into the God story. His paths are untraceable. God, I'm not sure what you want to do with the past of my life. I'm not sure what the next 15 years, you will never be sure. And that's why we live by faith. We do not live by sight. We live by hearing. Faith comes by And so we step into the sanctuary to remind ourselves he is incomprehensible. We could not script a story better than him if we tried. His path's untraceable. The spouse you're sitting next to, divorced, chaos, brokenness, 
Try and script the story of God's goodness and grace that you're sitting next to right now. You will never. He is incomprehensible. He is so kind and so gracious and so loving and so wise. And he will work all things to the good of those who love him and are called according to his grace and purpose. My God talks back to me. I'm distracted by his glory as I look around this room and I think of Ralph. This man gives me hugs most weekends. Come on, Dill. Get your courage on. God's put something in your life. I stood with Rolf at his wife's memorial service not so long ago. We cried tears together. He stood by her through the hardest seasons of his and her story. We would not script that in the path if our knowledge was the one at play. God, this is, I've seen how it works. We're just gonna navigate it. We're gonna do it our way. We're gonna build our way. We're gonna marry our way. We're gonna do our thing. And then it doesn't work like that. But when I look back, he's incomprehensible. Rolf is stronger than he's ever been, more secure than he's ever been, more present than he's ever been. His wife is an eternal glory. Friends, there is something about the knowledge of God that gets us away from the crowd. Paul writing to the crowd going, whoo, oh, the depths of the knowledge of this God who knows things. Get this, I don't. You just gotta let that sink in. He knows things. I don't and never will. In the tree of the garden, in the garden of Eden, there was a tree too. There's the tree of life. Okay, I'm preaching now. I feel like I'm in my flow. There was a tree of life and there was a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Humans ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The challenge with this was it didn't give them all knowledge. It just gave them knowledge of good and evil. So we became fighters. It didn't give them all knowledge. The tree of life had all knowledge. It gave them knowledge of good and evil. And so we spend our lives deciding on what's right and what's wrong. Because we're still feeding off the mistake of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We want knowledge, but his is incomprehensible. The question is, will you feed off his or will you rely on yours? We, we, we spend our lives debating with our spouses who's right, who's wrong, who's gonna have the final say, who's gonna take the low road. With our friends, who's right, who's wrong. With our Instagram Friends, who's right, who's wrong? With our colleagues, who's right, who's wrong? Am I, am I preaching to anybody this morning? Can we just acknowledge the fact that we're still biasing toward the Adam and Eve narrative, which is there's a solution better than Jesus and we keep feeding on it? And there's this decision to be made from arguing. You know, children grow up arguing. But can I just state the obvious like if your kids argue, you're in good company. My kids argue all the time. I wish I could change it. I wish I could click my fingers and just change the argument. It's so frustrating. It's like really, they're arguing about such menial stuff most of the time. Any parents? Anyone identify with this? Here's the challenge. Most times children don't grow up in this thing. And you fast track yourself to the age that I am at 40, 50, 60, fill in the blank, fill in your name, do whatever you want. And you sound just like them, just the argument's changed. You're still debating menial stuff when the option for you is to go and draw from the tree of the king of heaven, to be distracted by glory, not the crowd, the king. Not what everyone's talking about, what he's trying to say. Here's the thing. I often feel permission to speak to him, but then I listen to them. It's like I'm in a broken conversation. 
God, I'm really frustrated, but what do you think of this? <laughs> As if it's going to change. <coughs> Write this down so that you remind yourself when you open your Bible, God is incomprehensible. His knowledge is so deep. Children are meant to grow up. The church is meant to mature in what knowledge they feed off. And the more mature we get, the less right we'll be and the more sure of the depths we'll become. The more mature we get, oh, now I'm preaching good, the less right we will be and the more revelation of his depth we will begin to receive. It's a very simple invitation. Would you like the revelation of his depths of knowledge or are you gonna keep living off your own being right? The second thing we see in the story, God's building a case for us today, is helping us see what it means to go up the mountain is to seek the knowledge of heaven, not our own understanding. The second thing is we see God is without counselors. His wisdom is deep. Now I need to draw a distinction between knowledge and wisdom for just a moment. And it's not gonna be perfect, but I'm gonna do what I can to help you today, Link Church, because I want this to be helpful. Wisdom, uh, knowledge is like an understanding, making sense of. Wisdom is like applying the understanding to your future. It's almost like knowledge is understanding how the world was formed, how it was put together, which is why his paths are untraceable. We cannot make sense of what God did. We arrived in 20 something, 19 something, and we're trying to figure it all out. He's incomprehensible, his knowledge is deep. It's to make sense of. Wisdom is to apply that knowledge to your future. It's to actually allow it to be a blessing to your future story. So not only is his knowledge incomprehensible and his or his, uh, his ways and comprehensive his knowledge deep, but he's without counselor, which is to say, he doesn't need anyone to give him advice on what to apply to the future for it to win. Thank God. And yet, we are wired to give advice <laughs> just in case there's a better way of doing things. Paul, I'm actually done writing the letter for a moment. I'm done the academic stuff. Oh, the depths. Like when we realize like, I'm done unpacking the knowledge I have and the wisdom I wish to give. And I'm back in the fountain of grace going, oh, the depths. One of the most humbling things for me is if someone says to me, you have beautiful children. I'll tell you why it's humbling. It wasn't my doing. Oh, the depths of the knowledge of God that could take my oldest daughter at one, having high anxiety and sleepless nights and night tremors that we couldn't handle as parents and track her through a season of life, untraceable paths through people and friendships. Some of you are in this room and now at 16, she shines on platforms and stages and she's, she's just, she's glowing. Oh, the depths. What did you do, Dill? Do you really want me to write you the letter of what I, what I did? Do you, do you really want to limit your go at parenting to what I pulled off? Do you, do you really want your business to be limited to what I built with mine? Your future to be stuck in the letter that I wrote with human hands? Or do you want to be enamored by the grace of God? Church, you throw up your hands in worship. You surrender your lives to Jesus. You give him everything you have. And you will be so blown away by what he does in the next 10 years of your life. There will not be an oh big enough to handle it. But we leave these doors and we face by the tree of knowledge. 
and the tree of life one more time. And I felt compelled today to preach a message. Church, be distracted by his glory again. Be distracted. You know, we, um, we joke in this church about, about the best parts of this building being mistakes. Now, 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 when I say that, I need you to understand I'm laughing because it's so true. It's like I wish it weren't. But we've had like hundreds of people come through this building to see it. Pastors, other church leaders, people building their own buildings. We've had hundreds of people come through this building. And one of the things, Dubsy and I, I don't know how many trips we've done around the building. He'll say it or I'll say it, but we're sure of it. The best parts of this building we didn't come up with. That would have been our letter. And I'm, I'm so clear that ours was limited. The best parts, I'll tell you one of them. So when we were building this building, we, um, we had an architect panel working on it and I sketched a design and they sketched a design and eventually it was like put forward, that's what we're gonna build. And we started building. Man, and did we go. It was like the train had left the station and it was like anyone who's willing to jump on this thing, good luck. It was flying, the project was moving. And somewhere in that time, a young family at the time came to us and said, they were in architecture and said, hey, we'd love to just serve you in some way. I said, look, how do you feel doing that? He said, well, I'm an architect. I'd love to be a part of the building. I said, if you hadn't noticed, uh, kind of we had roof heights almost, lots happening. He said, that's okay. Let me just have a look at the plans. He had a look at the plans. He came back to me within a few hours and he says, you don't have a staircase that's underground. Your staircase is exposed. People are gonna walk through the elements. We need to create a cavity in the building that the staircase enters the, bu the building you know, from. So, so I was like, oh my goodness, how is this gonna happen? And I can tell you right now, Dubs is smiling, my dad is smiling because we never had a plan. We did not have a plan. Oh, the depths. The best things about this story are not ours. And he said, why don't you tweak this, tweak that, whatever. It turned out that as our building was built, and I'm gonna do my best to help you here, there was a space within this cavity. This is the big, beautiful deck that overlooks the sunset into the distance, here's the stair tower. And it turned out that in this big concrete structure that we were pouring, there was a little section, the only section, not, not, not one that would work, the only one available, that happened to be a stair tower that you now enter the building in today. And it happened within 12 hours. Oh, the depths. I don't know how adamant you are that your plan's working, but he has permission today to be distracted by his glory again. He has so much to his depth that you're still to encounter for every part of your life, every part of your life. His wisdom is deep. What I didn't know about this is how the story would unfold. Fast track a few years, we've added another stair tower. You come up from the gym area. It's over here. Some of you like that one. It's in the shade in the mornings. Nice and cool. Walk straight up into the smell of coffee. It's awesome. We didn't plan that. It happened to fall in the right place. And that's the second stair tower. I was with the architects today. Yes, on Friday, we we're talking about the new expansion. We're building a kid's wing this year, by the way, 2024, next generation wing. We're talking about the new expansion. They said, Dill, there's no cross on this building. I said, I know. They said, we just feel like we should put it somewhere. We should just wire it into the story. I said, okay, I'll think about it. I went home. I put the picture before me. I said, God, speak to me. He said, there's a cross in this building, Bill. It's right over the top of it. And I went back and I realized in their new plans, they haven't seen it yet. There's a stair tower that's going in right here on the kid's side that's gonna access our office wing. And the kid's wing is somewhere down here on the new property that we've bought behind us. And right over here, friends, is another stair 
well that they had drawn in without even noticing. And in the middle of our story, there's a cross that I never thought of, I never planned it, I never dreamed it. God did it. I can't wait to get to church today. I like the songs, don't like the songs. Like the, like the sermon, don't like the sermon. Last week I got my chair, this week missed my chair. Some of the, got my chair, it wasn't as exciting. Got my chair. Friends, honestly, oh the depths. For goodness sake, stop writing your story and step into his. Oh the depths of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. The story we get to be a part of. When I found the architects, I said, guys, there's a cross here. We can add another one if you want, but there's one here that we never drew. Let me ask you a question, church, as I start closing. Who might be God's wisdom to you right now? Oh, the depths. Who might be God's wisdom to you right now? Let me ask you another question. What might the Holy Spirit be saying to you in this moment? He's that kind that he would take a part revelation in me and deliver it uniquely to you. My father speaks back to me. He's in a conversation with you. You've been asking him things. You've been penning it down. You've been trying to make sense of. You've been looking around. And in the middle of it all, there's a God who speaks back to his people. And his wisdom and his knowledge are so deep, you haven't even begun to tap into it. Dill, I'm faced with a major Relational challenge, oh, the depths of the wisdom and the knowledge of God, his path's untraceable. You just honor God in this moment and he will trace a path that you could never for your future. The last thing I see in this story, let me read it again just to get in your spirit. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments, his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? And then listen to this. Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? The third thing we see in this story that takes us up the mountain and reminds us of the well that we get to draw from is God is without creditors. His riches are deep. I need, I, need you to, I need you to put these down so when you open your Bible, in the beginning of your Bible, it says these things. It says, God is incomprehensible. His knowledge is deep. God is without counsel. His wisdom is deep. And God is without creditors. His riches are deep. Oh, the depths. Oh, the depths. Our riches are pretty shallow. <laughs> I don't know if I need to point that out for anybody. Oh, the depths of the wisdom and knowledge of God. Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? Here's a freebie. God doesn't owe you or I anything. He owns everything. You see, my story makes sense of what I own and what I do with it and did I do good with it. His story says, no, everything I have comes from him and it's through him and it's to him, to God. I've been distracted by glory. It's not my own. I've been distracted by his glory. I've been distracted by a deeper knowledge. I've been distracted by a deeper wisdom. And I've been distracted by, and maybe this is for some in the room, deeper riches. I wrote this down as I was kind of thinking about bringing God's word to you today, church. I said, we need a revelation of the wealth of heaven in this house. 
We need a revelation of the wealth of heaven, a revelation God's revealing of the wealth of heaven. I'm writing my letter, oh, the depth of the riches of God. I was talking to some friends after our business breakfast on Friday, such a beautiful moment actually. Uh, but 100 people showed up Friday morning. You should watch for those uh, notices if you're in the business community. We'd love to serve you in those moments. And so come be a part of the next one. It's gonna come up in about a month's time. But I was chatting to a friend after the business breakfast and I said, and what's God showing you? What's God stirring in your spirit? He said, Dill, it's the same thing he always does when I'm amongst people in business asking God what he's trying to say. He's reminding me the conversation should never be around success. It should be around stewardship. The, the conversation of the world the letter that we're writing is one of success. And again, Paul's writing a good letter. There's just a higher story. Paul's letter is still benefiting us today. It's the gift of the gospel. It's the word of God in our lives today, Romans. And yet he gets distracted by something far greater. He almost can't put pen to paper what's still left to be found. And it should be no different for you and I. And so while this is all happening, we need a distraction to the glory of God, the riches of heaven. It's not about success and what that looks like, even redefining it in a good way. I want my life to count. I want legacy. I want generations. I want whatever. Let me put that aside for one moment. I just want to see what I have as stewardship of what he has entrusted to me. Parents, your children are not yours. What a privilege you get to raise them and steward their lives. What a privilege. What a privilege. That you get to steward what the Bible describes as the most precious possession on this planet. What a privilege. We don't need strategies for parenting. We need the depths of the riches and the knowledge of God. Your wealth, your story, your future, that which you have and that which is still to come. Here's the good news, it's not yours. Why is that good news? It's his. Why is that good news? Because he's so much better with it than you are. One uh, preacher loves to say these words. We believe as a church in tithing, giving God 10% of the first fruits of our blessing. We believe that as a church. And one preacher once said, 10% in his hands is better than 100% in mine. Oh, the depths. Like I wonder if today we could come to church, walk into this room, be aware of the story you're part of, can't wait to have a coffee with a friend, can't wait to fetch my kids, can't wait to go to Salt Rock Main Beach, it was looking beautiful this morning, and jump in the ocean before my business week starts or my school week starts. I cannot wait for everything that this world offers me. It's awesome, it's beautiful, it's amazing. But I just hope that you got just a, just a little bit distracted by glory now. Just a little bit. But what I want more than any of that is this. I don't know how many years I got on this planet. You don't know how many years you got because his knowledge is deeper than mine, deeper than yours. You cannot govern your life's time on this planet as much as you can count to infinity. But you can steward this thing. And you can steward it to the glory of God. It's like Paul, you can, you can swing your attention to a moment of going, actually God, the privilege of writing all these books for your church of tomorrow, and Paul was just writing, he said all of it, is now being distracted by a moment with you. And in that moment, I believe, came revelation that perhaps Paul didn't even get to share with us. It was too profound to mention on paper. And may you and I as a church be willing to walk so closely to what God is doing in His church, so closely to what God is trying to do in your life, 
so closely to what God is whispering in your heart through this year, him friend. May we be willing to walk so closely that there are things he shares with you that are impossible to share with anyone because they weren't for others. It was for you. You've heard me tell the story. Stand with me.